Thursday of this week, we will celebrate what we all call and have called for all of our lives Thanksgiving Day. And when that time of the year comes around, one of the things we're all concerned about is the weather. We always want to know what it's going to be like. I always know that I want it to be cool. I mean, it's November. It ought to at least not be 70 degrees Thanksgiving Day. It's also nice frying turkeys out in the backyard if the temperature is a little cooler than 70 degrees. That grease gets awfully hot. So I always hope for cool weather. I also don't want it to be misting or raining because that's kind of messy too. Well, the other day, just to put your mind at ease, I have the extended forecast for Thanksgiving. Turkeys will thaw in the morning, then warm in the oven, oven to an afternoon high near 190 degrees. The kitchen will turn hot and humid throughout the day. If you bother the cook, be ready for a very severe squall or cold shoulder. During the early afternoon and into the evening, the cold front of a knife will slice through the turkey. This is likely to cause an accumulation of from one to two inches on some plates. Cornbread dressing will drift across one side, and at the same time, cranberry sauce will create slippery spots on the other. A weight watch and indigestion warning has been issued for the entire area. Increased stuffiness is predicted, especially around the Beltway in the afternoon. During the late afternoon and into the early evening, the turkey will diminish and taper off to leftovers, dropping to a low of 34 degrees Fahrenheit in the refrigerator. Now, looking ahead to Friday and Saturday, high pressure to eat sandwiches will be established, and flurries of leftovers can be expected both days. There is actually a 50% chance of scattered soup late in the day, and expect a warming trend where soup develops. Now, that's the weather forecast for Thursday and the extended forecast through the weekend. Now, the only thing left for us to do is clean the house. Seriously. I wonder sometimes if we get so caught up in all the preparations and making sure the turkeys are ready and the dressing is prepared and, and we've got all the different casseroles and all the different side dishes, and then you can't leave out the pecan pie, the sweet potato pie, the pumpkin pie, the mincemeat pie, the chocolate cake, the pecan cake, and the coconut pie if you manage to get that too. And all the other assorted desserts that you're going to have. I wonder if we get so caught up in the holiday itself and so caught up in our preparations for the holiday that we actually forget about being thankful. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 to the church at Thessalonica, In everything give thanks. And I know we are, sure we are. We're thankful after a fashion. 
But do we really stop and consider? Do we really stop and think about our blessings and count our blessings? You see, if we really take the time to consider it, our blessings exceed our problems. Now, we all have problems. Every one of us in here has problems to one degree or another. And at some point or another in our lives, all of us tend to be overwhelmed at times by our problems. And I don't care how sunny someone's disposition might seem, if you come to know them and you come to know them deeply, when you come to know folks deeply enough, you discover that no matter how sunny their life might seem, they have problems too. And most of the time, we feel like our problems are the worst of all problems. It's like that old definition of major surgery and minor surgery. Minor surgery is when you have an operation. Major surgery is when I have the same operation. We all think our problems are worse than anybody else's. That, that, I mean, after all, we're so close to our problems. And we feel like the burdens we carry and the problems we have are the heaviest that anyone could possibly have to carry. It's just in that time and in those situations that we need to pause and remember our blessings. Because when we pause and think about our blessings, it helps us put our problems in their proper perspective. My grandfather used to have a song that he sang. He called it his theme song. It wasn't the music and it wasn't the poetry that made it his favorite song. It was the sentiment expressed by the words of the song. I don't ever recall him beginning a Wednesday night Bible class. The song service would be over. People would be dismissed. Children would be dismissed to their classes. And he would stand up in the auditorium and he'd say, Before we start our study, let's sing our theme song. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you're discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will be singing. As the days go by. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you His wealth untold. Count your many blessings that money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether great 
or small. Do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. I think that's something probably all of us need to do a little more of. Because an attitude of counting our blessings, it'll change our basic life attitudes from a negative to a positive. And if we can see the day-to-day problems that we face, and if we can even see our longer-range problems against a background of the blessings that we all enjoy, our lives can be so much happier. And we'll be much more constructive in facing our problems. I mean, let's be honest about it. Being negative is an easy thing to do. If we allow ourselves, it's pretty easy to focus on our problems. If you've got a sore finger, or better yet, if you've got a sore big toe, it can just practically dominate your whole body. You can have a sore big toe and, and you can just almost have a sour disposition just because your big toe hurts. And a sore finger or a sore toe or maybe even a sore tooth is a very small thing. But it can make us forget about everything else that's functioning normally. And so we forget about everything else that's functioning normally and we focus on that one minor hurt. It's kind of the same way that, that, that sore big toe or that sore thumb we hit with the hammer. It's kind of like how a flat tire or a cracked spark plug will immobilize a whole automobile. That sore thumb or that sore big toe can immobilize our entire body. Well, in a different realm, the same thing is true. Think of the news that we're bombarded with on the television, morning, noon, and night. The constant barrage of things that emphasizes all of the problems of our society and all the problems of our nation... You know, sometimes listening to the talking heads on television, it reminds me of the story of Chicken Little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We must go and tell the king. If you listen to those folks, and if you take something, everything some of them say to heart, you'll just want to crawl back in the bed, cover your head up, and wait for the coming apocalypse. Because you just know that probably the nation's going to, the world is going to come to an end, or at least America is going to come to an end before the sun sets this afternoon. The news focuses so much on what's wrong in our country. And the newscasts focus so much on all the negative things in our country that we forget the greatness and the strength of our nation.
And then think about the way advertisers pluck our heartstrings. Whether it's in, in a print ad in a magazine or whether it's on the television, everything about advertising has a focus to cause us to realize what we don't have. It's for us to realize that our car doesn't have the latest gadgets, that we can't pull up to a parallel parking space and flick a button and sit there with our and twiddle our thumbs while the car parks itself and everybody on the lawn talks about how fantastic we are at parking the car. My car doesn't even have one of the little backup cameras that so many cars have now. It's, it's that old. But do you know it still gets me from point A to point B? And the air conditioner blows cold air. As long as it'll get me from point A to point B and the air conditioner blows cold air, I can figure out a way to park it. But if you look at the print ad, Norma subscribes, this will shock you, but Norma subscribes to several different cooking magazines. And we have found out we use the wrong mayonnaise, we use the wrong cooking oil, we use the wrong rice, we use the wrong everything. And you watch television and you find out you're using the wrong deodorant or the wrong soap and you're offending people every time you're around them. Everything that we've got is old and everything we've got is out of date. And we're just supposed to be dissatisfied with everything about our lives. That's what advertising is all about. Here's the point. It's a really easy thing if we allow ourselves to focus on what we don't have. And if we allow ourselves, it's really easy to focus on the problems pressing in on us. And we focus on what we don't have and we focus on the problems pressing in on us we exclude all the blessings we enjoy in our lives. And folks, if we allow ourselves to focus on all the things we don't have, and if we allow ourselves to focus on all the problems pressing in on us, we're going to always be unhappy. And we're going to always be miserable. If we dwell on what we don't have, Instead of on what we do have, we're never going to be able to find real happiness. At this season of the year, and not just at this season of the year, but all the year, I would challenge all of us to focus our lives on our blessings. Think about what we have instead of what we don't have. I think sometimes it'd be a a good idea for us to just sit down with a pad in our hand and, and just make a list of our blessings. And once we've made a list of our blessings, tear it off that pad and get a magnet and put it on the refrigerator so we'll see it all the time, every day. I mean, let's face it, if we put it on the refrigerator, that's the place we're most likely to see it constantly than anywhere else. But in some way, We've got to reach a point in our lives where we let the positive dominate our thinking so we don't become negative-minded, pessimistic, and defeatist. 
Think about the blessings that we enjoy. The blessings of this life. The blessings associated just with our earthly existence. Maybe the list would begin with food and clothing and shelter. Well, admittedly, those are very broad categories. But I think in each of those we could find specific points that we're grateful for. You think about food, for example. As I look around this room, all of us have been richly blessed in that category. In fact, uh, some of us, judging on what I see in the mirror, have been blessed abundantly in the category of good food. Or think about clothing or shelter and how we've been blessed in that category. All of us slept somewhere that was warm last night. And all of us are able to cover ourselves in a decent manner when we get out in public. I go to Walmart sometimes and I see some folks that don't have much to be thankful for in the realm of clothes. But all of us have a lot to be thankful for there. Or what about home and family and friends? We can think of the details of our home life. We can think of specific members of our family that we're grateful for. We can think of members of our family that have passed on to the other side, that have left us a legacy or memories that enrich our lives even to this day. We can think of friends that have blessed our lives and friends that make our lives more pleasant because of their company and because of their companionship. Or we can think about the beauties of nature that God has provided us. The fact that we can look outside and see the beautiful sunshine this morning. And as Norm and I were driving down the road the other day, we were on our way to Tyler for a, a doctor's visit, and we remarked to each other the beauty of the trees along the road as they're changing all of their, they've changed all of their different colors. And we can go various places and see the beauty of God's creation. And the blessings we have of living here in this great nation that we call America. Sure, our country's got its problems. It's not a perfect place. It's not a utopia. But even with its problems and even with its challenges, it's still the greatest nation on earth to live in. But then you think about all these things. And those things are nothing when you compare them to the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. We are children of God. Just as much as Abraham or David or Daniel or Paul or any of the others. We're children of God. And you think about the love that God had for us. 
Think about your own children and what you would be willing to sacrifice for your children. Think about your own children and who you would be willing to let your children die for. God loved me enough. He loved you enough. That He sent His only Son to this earth to die. To redeem my soul. What was that song? I'm redeemed by love divine. The divine love of God reached down to earth in the form of Jesus Christ and redeemed my soul from the depths of sin. Through Jesus, I've got the forgiveness of sins. By becoming a Christian, by being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins and being joining there with the blood of Christ, I'm a child of God. And being a child of God, I can go to God in prayer and I can address God as my Father, just like Jesus did. I can bow my head and say, Father, I need Your help. And we've got also the promise of a home prepared on the other side. FYI, Rodney and I haven't talked. But did you hear that song? Sing to me of heaven. Sing that song of peace. Or sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. We can go to God in prayer and we can call Him our Father. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. And God has prepared a place for us in heaven. And we have the fellowship of our family, our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. If we would be happy to God and if we would be pleasing to God, we've got to count our blessings. And we've got to learn to count our blessings instead of our troubles. And we've got to show our gratitude to God for the many blessings He's given us by living His kind of life. You see, we find those great blessings in the church. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. We've got to accept Christ and we've got to obey. We've got to believe in Him as the Son of God, repent of past sins and confess His name and be baptized for the remission of past sins. We've got to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of our lives. Because if Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of our life, He's not Lord and Master at all in our lives. We have been blessed so richly. But if you need to make changes to live God's kind of life, now's the time to do it as we stand and while we sing.